Today's date is April 9th, 2023, and we are reading from the big book of AA, um, starting on page 80, uh, 35, paragraph, our first example, up to and including the paragraph on page 37 that starts in some circumstances. Reader Q will be our reader, followed by a 20-minute share by Andrew K. Go ahead, Rita. Thanks. Our first example is a friend we shall call Jim. This man has a charming wife and family. He inherited a lucrative automobile agency. He had a commendable World War record. He is a good salesman. Everybody likes him. He is an intelligent man, normal so far as we can see, except for a nervous disposition. He did no drinking until he was 35. In a few years, he became so violent when intoxicated that he had to be committed. On leaving the asylum, he came into contact with us. We told him what we knew of alcoholism and the answer we had found. He made a beginning, his family was reassembled and he began to work as a salesman for the business he had lost through drinking. All went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. To his consternation, he found himself drunk half a dozen times in rapid succession. On each of these occasions, we worked with him, reviewing carefully what had happened. He agreed he was a real alcoholic and in serious condition. He knew he faced another trip to the asylum if he kept on. Moreover, he would lose his family for whom he had a deep affection. Yet he got drunk again. We asked him to tell us exactly how it happened. This is his story. I came to work on Tuesday morning. I remember I felt irritated that I had to be a salesman for a concern I once owned. I had a few words with the boss, but nothing serious. Then I decided to drive into the country and see one of my prospects for a car. On the way, I felt so hungry. I felt hungry, so I stopped at a roadside place where they have a bar. I had no intention of drinking. I just thought I would get a sandwich. I also had the notion that I might find a customer for a car at this place, which was familiar for I had been going to it for years. I had eaten there many times during the months I was sober. I sat down at a table and ordered a sandwich and a glass of milk. Still no thought of drinking. I ordered another sandwich and decided to have another glass of milk. Suddenly, the thought crossed my mind that if I were to put an ounce of whiskey in my milk, it couldn't hurt me on a full stomach. I ordered a whiskey and poured it into the milk. I vaguely sensed I was not being any too smart, but felt reassured as I was taking the whiskey on a full stomach. The experiment went so well that I ordered another whiskey and poured it into more milk. That didn't seem to bother me, so I tried another. Thus started one more journey to the asylum for Jim. Here was the threat of commitment, the loss of family and position, to say nothing of that intense mental and physical suffering which drink always caused him. He had much knowledge about himself as an alcoholic, yet all reasons for not drinking were easily pushed aside in favour of the foolish idea that he could take whiskey if only he mixed it with milk. Whatever the precise definition of the word may be, we call this plain insanity. How can such a lack of proportion of the ability to think straight be called anything else? You may think this is an extreme case, to us it is not far-fetched. 
for this kind of thinking has been characteristic of every single one of us. We have sometimes reflected more than Jen did upon the consequences, but there was always the curious mental phenomenon that parallel with our sound reasoning, there inevitably ran some insanely trivial excuse for taking the first drink. Our sound reasoning failed to hold us in check. The insane idea won out. Next day, we would ask ourselves in all earnestness and sincerity how it could have happened. In some circumstances, we have gone out deliberately to get drunk, feeling ourselves justified by nervousness, anger, worry, depression, jealousy, or the like. But even in this type of beginning, we are obliged to admit that our justification for a spree was insanely insufficient in the light of what always happened. We now see that when we began to drink deliberately, instead of casually, there was little serious or effective thought during the period of premeditation of what the terrific consequences might be. Pass. Uh, thank you very much. We'll now have our speaker, Andrew Kay. Thank you so much, Andrew. Yeah, thank you so much. Andrew Kay here, Recovered Compulsive Eater in Illinois, and really, really grateful to be with you guys this morning. There is absolutely no place I would rather be than, than here on this line having a conversation about this book and the solution that it contains. So I thought it might be helpful. Uh, this is one of my favorite chapters, but I thought it might be helpful just to give you a little bit of background. Many people on this line, I recognize some faces and names, and it's fun to see you guys, but it might be helpful just to give a little bit of context about who you're uh, interacting with this morning. And so I'll, I'll start you back uh, at the beginning, just briefly. Um, I am a guy, as described in the big book, as 100% hopeless apart from divine help. Um, there is no doubt in my mind the delusion that I might be like other people presently or have ever been or ever will be has been completely smashed uh, because I am bodily and mentally different. That's what the book says is that I suffer from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And, and for me, what my understanding of that is, and, and there's probably folks on this line who who would uh, be able to attribute to this, is that that I have a body that reacts to certain foods or ingredients or behaviors abnormally. You know, meaning when I when I put them in, I, I can't reasonably predict how much I'm going to have. I can't control it. In fact, it flips a switch inside me that I simply can't turn off. Uh, and it isn't all foods that do that for me. It never has been. Uh, and, uh, you know, God bless you if Brussels sprouts and radishes flip the switch for you, but they just never have for me. But there are things when I put them in, it, it just it's game over. Uh, it, it does something to my body where it reacts physiologically and creates this, you know, insatiable craving for more. And, and I have, you know, a thousand stories uh, over the years that look just like that. And that's a, that's a problem, certainly, uh, as, as you might be able to relate, but it, it is not the biggest problem because I also have a mind, you know, that despite all the evidence to the contrary, is always in the business of trying to convince me that the next time is going to be different than the last time. You know, and, and, and we're going to talk about that and more about alcoholism. We're going to talk about that insane thinking uh, that for me always won out, you know, that, the, 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 that ran parallel to my sound reasoning that convinced me that the, the next time that I tried the, the desperate first experiment, it would go differently than it had my whole life, you know? And so like in We Agnostics, it talks about on, on page 44, I mean, if you cannot, you know, when you honestly want to, if you can't quit for good and for all, and, and that's not the kind of the intellectual quitting, like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, no, I get it. It's a problem. It's a problem. Yeah. You know, or my wife wants me to be down or the doctor's giving me the lecture. That's when it's just me, just me and me. And, and I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be done forever. You know, can I manage that decision? Yeah, and I was a guy for 38 years who couldn't manage that decision. You know, and then it says if when you put those things in, if you find you have a little control, 
and, and I thought I had little control. Then it says, you're, you're probably an alcoholic. And that was my story, compulsive eater. That was my story. And so I was separated from the food on August 29th of 2019. You know, my story up until that point looks like a guy who was caught in this progressive and fatal cycle. In, in More About Alcoholism, it says that, you know, it says most of us have been unwilling to admit that we were real alcoholics, or in my case, real compulsive eaters. Nobody likes to think they're bodily and mentally different. And I suffered out of the rooms from a tremendous ego, uh, an ego that kept me in the bondage of self. That's what the book says is the root of my troubles. I, I thought it was cookies and excess weight. It turns out it's selfishness and self-centeredness. And it says, given that our, our eating careers are, are often characterized by countless vain attempts to prove that we could, could eat like normal people. And that I had this great obsession that, that someday, somehow, I would both control and enjoy my drinking or my eating. And so that's what my life looked like for, for 38 years, you guys. It was, it was uh, an effort to try to manage things in a certain way so that I would be okay and so that I could eat in a way that I wanted to eat, but have all the fun I wanted to have. And it, it went predictably for somebody like me, which is that I rocketed up and down the scale for, for decades. You know, I, I'm the kind of person who gained and lost, you know, over 1,600 pounds before finding our fellowship. And so that, that's what it sounds like to be, to have an, an eating career uh, characterized by countless vain attempts is that I was always, always searching for the next thing right around the next corner. If you gave me another chance, I know that it's not going very well right now, but I'm so close. And, and it says that we suffer from a delusion. And that was my, that was my experience. I suffered from delusion. And so I, I was unable to differentiate the true from the false. And all of that came to head for me on, on August 29th, as I said, and I'll tell a little bit of that story as we talk about more about alcoholism, yeah, but, but uh, God stepped in and did something miraculous for somebody like me, which is to give me a little moment of grace and a little moment of clarity where I saw the truth of the situation. The truth is I wasn't right on the cusp of having control. And I wasn't a guy who's going to make it better in the morning. I knew to my innermost self that I was a guy who was never, ever going to be better because I always ended up back in the same place. And that for me was the jumping off point. It, it led to this fellowship and it led to this book that has transformed uh, my life in a very radical way. And so with that said, uh, today we're talking about Jim's story and more about alcoholism is absolutely uh, one of my favorite chapters. And I kind of say that about all the chapters, but I really like this one because it's so aptly describes, you know, what life was like for me running around for 38 years. You know, it says, it says, uh, let me see here. It says, what sort of thinking dominates an alcoholic repeats time after time, the desperate experiment of the first drink. That's really the question. You know, how, how do you explain, okay, a guy like me, I, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a break. If you just get, you know, if you get overweight once, yeah, I could see that happening. You know, we live in a, a pretty sedentary society. You know, we've just gone through a pandemic. Maybe you were, you were locked down for a while. You, your eating gets a little bit away from you. You're not exercising like you were. You get a little overweight. That, that could happen to the best of us once. You know, maybe twice if, if, you know, something really wild happened in life. But I'm a guy who lost over 100 pounds seven times before coming to program. Okay. That's not somebody who just eats a little bit too much. That's somebody who is unable, you know, to, 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 to manage the decision. And why is that? What sort of thinking would lead me back 
to the food over and over and over again, even though I had a lifetime of consequences that should have been convincing me that I couldn't do that anymore. You know, and, and that's like my buddy Jim. You know, what 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 type of thinking dominated Jim? And so the story of Jim, I, I, I kind of fancied myself when I got here, just like Jim, because it was saying he was like intelligent and everybody liked him and he's a pretty great guy. And I thought, yeah, that sounds about like me. I was delusional in that area too. Inventory has revealed uh, a, a lot of things I didn't see. But, but Jim made a, a good beginning. You know, Jim made a good beginning on this work. He had knowledge about himself as an alcoholic, just like I had knowledge about myself as a compulsive eater. You know, guys, I knew for a long time, you know, that, that I was struggling with the food for a long time. You know, it wasn't like I thought that eating whole packages of Oreo cookies was, was good for my health. It wasn't like I, I didn't know that being 411 pounds was a bad idea. You know, I had knowledge. And I made a start. I made a start lots of times. You know, but what it says about our guy Jim is, is he failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual circle. And here's what that sounds like to a guy like me. Is, is that when I was making a start in the old days, you know, emphasis on the I, I was making a start. And I treated this problem like it was a very intellectual problem. You know, rather than having an experience around this stuff, I was trying to figure things out. You know, and that's what it sounds like for me when I'm reading about Jim making a start without really perfecting and enlarging his spiritual circle. That sounds to me like somebody who is trying to run on self-will maybe to control the alcohol, like I try to control the food, maybe if I got the right food plan, maybe if I got the right sponsor, maybe if I attended the right meeting, or if I listened to this podcast, if I did whatever, all good things. All potential avenues to connecting with that conscious content, but none of them the power itself. You know, and so I was treating this problem like it was an intellectual problem. Like, I listen, I know how diets work. I know how food works, calories in, calories out. I gotta go, like, I get it. Just let me execute. Don't worry about it. And that was me making a good beginning, you know, and all would go well for a time. All would go well for a month, six months, a year. And then eventually something would happen, you know, where somehow I, you know, without really, I, I'm not sure exactly how we got here, but I'm, I'm back in the food. And that matches Jim's experience. That matches my experience, you know, and so that would be in my, in my experience, that would be like the the dieting with group support. That would be like saying I'm powerless and then running around trying to manage everything. You know, and, and powerlessness doesn't mean that I, I can never have these things again. Powerlessness means I'm going to have these things again, 100% of the time, apart from divine intervention. And so that's, that was what it was like for me. I made a good beginning and then it all unraveled. You know, and, and I, I love the part where we talked about Jim going into the, the roadside bar. No, no intention, emphasis, no intention on drinking. You know, that, that's not why he was there. And how many times have I gone into a gas station? You know, no, no, no intention on, on getting any binge foods. That's not why I'm here. You know, I, I'm really just, I'm just here to, to grab a, a water. Yeah, you know what, I might, I might even use the bathroom. I'm, you know, those are my, that's my mission. And I, and I walk in. You know, and suddenly, you know, out of the corner of my eye, I noticed something I, I'd never seen before. You know, it, it's like a Twix, but they have cookie dough mixed in it now. Where did that come from? You know, I'd never seen that before. 
in the package is shiny and it says limited edition. And, 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 and now that, you know, suddenly that thought crosses my mind that, you know what, this may not be here the next time I come here. And, and that's an insanely trivial thought given, you know, the, the, the fact that, again, I, I was, you know, destroying my life at the hands of the food. But in that moment, you know, I have no effective mental defense against a thought like that. You know, and so in, in, in what happens for a guy like me is, you know, the insane thought wins out. I grab that thing that flips that switch. I enter the well-known stage of a spree and we're off at the races again. You know, and, and so that's that's the pattern, you know, that, that Jim is talking about. Uh, can somebody help me? I, I'm looking at my clock now. Can, can somebody remind? I know it's 20 minutes, but I forgot to start my watch. Do we have, we have halfway? Uh, a little less. Maybe you got around 14. Okay. Very good. Thank you. You're welcome. And, and so it's just like that. When I hear folks in program, and if you're struggling, you know, I, like I have a tremendous heart for you. But when I hear people say things like, you know, I just, I have to, I have to remember not to go back. Like, it's just, I got to I got to really, I got to really, you know, pay attention. Don't pick up no matter what, no matter what. And I got to be honest with you. I'm the kind of guy who can't manage a decision like that because suddenly the thought will cross my mind that this time is going to be different. And I'm staring right out the window where I was walking into my house, you know, before I got the program, the 15 months before I got here first, I, God gave me the intuitive thought that I was the kind of guy who could, could no longer manage food period. I couldn't make decisions around food. And so I was going to only eat three things for the rest of my life. I was going to eat lean chicken. I was going to eat fresh fruit. And I was going to eat fresh vegetables. That was going to be it because even I couldn't screw that up. And I did that for like seven months and I lost about a hundred pounds. And I was walking in and suddenly, just like Jim, suddenly the thought crossed my mind. I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't looking for it. It was a good day. I was having fun. It went bad. I mean, like it just out of nowhere, the thought crosses my mind that maybe it would be nice to have some sunflower seeds on the way to work. And if you can have sunflower seeds, God bless you. I cannot, you know, and, and, I, and I engaged in that experiment. I had the sunflower seeds and just like Jim, it went so well. It went so well. I didn't even gain a hundred pounds that day. It went so well that I had more sunflower seeds the next day. And that went so well that I was now, I know I was a guy who was never going to have anything but those three things, but now I'm a guy who can have nuts. We've established that over the last two days. I can have nuts. Good. And so from sunflower seeds to peanuts, to peanuts, to cashews, to mixed nuts, you know, and, and, and then I, then I started taking fruit and, and I know I said fresh fruit, but you know, there's some dried fruit that again, you know, it's sort of fresh ish. And I'm mixing that in with mixed nuts, you know, in the, in the line for a guy like me between that and trail mix and eight months later, I'd put on 108 pounds and I couldn't even begin to tell you when I crossed that line because I'm the kind of person who has no effective mental defense. My defense must come from a higher power. Walking in, suddenly the thought crossed my mind that maybe some sunflower seeds would be a good idea. You know, and, and that's what it looks like for somebody like me and for somebody like Jim. It says that Jim had much knowledge about his condition as an alcoholic. I had much knowledge about my condition as a compulsive eater. Again, what I did not have was the ability to, to, to pull it off. I knew for a long time what I was trying to do. What I couldn't do was to execute the deal, at least not with any kind of uh, consistency. I always ended up back in the same place. And so if you're in the rooms today, this is my experience. And again, only mine. You match it against your own and match it against what the book says. 
But if you're the kind of person whose plan today is to just, you know, create some boundaries around how you're going to manage the food better, and you're like me, I'm going to tell you that that's probably not going to end well. Now, am I a big fan of having a food plan? Absolutely. Am I a big fan of attending meetings? Absolutely. Making outreach calls? Absolutely. Connecting with fellows? Absolutely. All of those things are great tools for getting connected with the power. But I think the book is pretty clear that 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 power has to be has to be part of that mix. It has to be part of the solution. Because I cannot remember, you know, to be good today. I'm not that kind of guy. And that's really what it's talking about is the insanity, the lack of proportion around this decision. A normal person who who gains and loses 1,600 pounds would look at that and say, obviously, I have a problem. I did not see it that way. Because the only thing I could see was the seven times I'd lost 100 pounds. And that felt like tremendous evidence that I could control the food. You know, that's a lack of proportion. The only thing I could see was in that moment, you know, the, the Twix with the cookie dough or the sunflower seeds is like, you know, I can't go forever. I mean, I'm not looking to binge. I'm just looking for, I'm just looking for an exception here. Just one time. You know, I'm going to be right back on it tomorrow. And in light of the consequences that somebody like me has always had, that is plain insanity. I don't have any evidence of that ever working out well. In fact, I have heaps and heaps of evidence to the contrary. And yet in that moment, I cannot differentiate the truth from the false. And that's a pretty hard place to be. And it says, sometimes I, I'm like Jim, sometimes I even went out to get, to get binge on purpose feeling myself justified. Sometimes I left my house in a, in a huff, fighting with my wife and my girls. And I went and I knew where I was going. I was going straight to the place with the solution for sure. But even in those instances, you know, is, you know, I, a logical person would look at that and say like, no, I, I, I know. I mean, they, they, they said something unkind. So I'll go kill myself now. That, that's, that is a lack of proportion a lack of the ability to think straight. And so that, you know, that for me is, is, is really a foundational piece of this thinking part of the problem. I'm a guy who cannot trust his thinking, you know, and unfortunately, because I have that physical piece that we talked about with the allergy, that if I ingest those things, it ends very badly for me. Therefore, I have this problem coupled with the spiritual malady where I get restless and I get irritable and I get discontented when I'm disconnected. And so I'm the kind of person who has to have a solution in the power as the result of engaging in the actions, you know, that get me connected and keep me connected. And so that's what I'll leave you with today. I, I, again, I, I know there's people, I see them on this line who are doing really, really well. And I am grateful for you. I'm excited for you. This program is a miracle. But if you're a person who's really struggling today, and I'm sure that there are people on this line who are having a tremendously hard time right now, then I would encourage you to jump all the way into the deep end of the pool. You know, not into the, not into the, the actions themselves only, but into the heart behind the actions. You know, and, and, get, and get on board with, with getting connected to a power that can solve your problem. Because if you're like me, there's there's absolutely no other way out. So 
I'm not sure if there's 20 minutes you'll have to forgive me because I wasn't watching the clock. I hope we're close. And thank you guys so much for the privilege of being here with you today. Thank you so much, Andrew. I really appreciate it.